Welcome to Regold's Dance Life Podcast for dance teachers and dance studio owners who have a passion for the art of dance. Hello and welcome to Regold's Dance Life Podcast. Considering the current climate, we're taking a break in our normal programming to bring you a series of Facebook Lives that Re has conducted during this challenging time. If you find yourself needing support, please reach out to us. You can find a great deal of resources at Regold's Dance Life on Facebook and you can also get in touch with us there. We're thinking of all of our dance studio owners and dance teachers during this difficult time. Please let us know if there's anything further we can do to assist you. And now to the Facebook Live with Ree. Hi, everybody. First, you have to pat yourself on the back. (laughs) Because you made it this far. Because you have a healthy body. Because you have people around you who care. Because if you're a studio owner or a teacher, you have a community that you built. Those people are looking to you to be the best leader that you can be. And we have to set the example. And I never expected that I'd be in this state at the beginning of this. Yes, so you pat yourself on the back. You've survived so far. Those of you who have been able to keep in touch with your community, those of you who uh, have been on a roller coaster ride of I can do this, I can't do this, I can do this. You're not alone. And that's something I want to talk about. I'm involved with a lot of dance studio stuff. And I go online and I see our, our community. And sometimes I see us judging other studio owners judging other studio owners' decisions in this time of crisis. The other day I did a talk, I don't remember what night it was, and somebody wrote to me at 11.30 at night when I got done with that talk and said, stop telling teachers to run online classes. It's terrible that they take the money from their students in a time of crisis. First of all, I interviewed nine people, nine different perspectives, totally different perspectives. Nobody knows if those nine perspectives will work. But this I know to the teachers who want to send me that text and say, why would you stay in business? So many of the teachers that I know personally, their parents are thanking them over and over again for doing it. So your gut instinct may tell you to do something different, but let us not judge what everyone else is doing. And know this, 
all of the teachers and studio owners that are working your butt off to get these classes online every any way that you can? By keeping your community together, you may in the end end up with 20, 30, 40, 50, whatever it is percent of the families that could stick with you. Think about it. Stick with them at this time in any way that you can. And when you come out of this, my guess is that they'll stick with you. And dance teachers and studio owners, I want us to put a stop to judgment through this crisis. Hear this? I got some notes here. Bear with me. Every dancer, every studio owner, every lover of dance, Broadway dancer, choreographer, people who book dancers, everything dance is stopped. There isn't anybody right now in dance who's better than the other. There isn't anybody in dance who isn't feeling this crisis. What if we showed the whole world or set the example on how strong a community could be to support each other? And here's why. It doesn't matter if you're a New York City ballet dancer. It doesn't matter if you're a 15-year-old in a hip-hop class and your dream is to become a professional hip-hop dancer. It doesn't matter if you're a 65-year-old woman taking a tap class. We all feel, we all feel exactly the same passion in our soul. And that is a gift. So if you're a strict ballet dancer, a modern dancer, a contemporary dancer, a competition dancer, a professional dancer, a master teacher, we're all in the same boat. Nobody's better than anyone else and we're all gonna need each other's help on the way up and we will go up. And we will be better because of this. You know that many of us for the last 20 or 30 years, maybe less, hang on. <coughs> and no, I'm, I'm not sick. Many of us in the last 20 or 30 years have 
really strive to be, let's call it on top. And maybe our perception of being on top was the most awards or the dancers who moved on to professional careers or we're a serious ballet school. None of it matters. Um, the connection, the passion, the feeling, all the same. Okay, I got through three cards here. It's a little comment I want to make. I get emails and messages and people are writing me and they're going, I'm really nervous. And you know what? I'm going to be specific. CLI Studios offering classes. Will our kids want to come back to our schools if, if they're offering classes? I even had somebody I put on a class, a geo hip hop class, and somebody goes, I feel uncomfortable with this. I'd like us to categorize dance this way. Before the blank hit the fan and after the blank hit the fan. And for me, the after the blank hit the fan would be, I'm going to put a little more trust out there. I'm going to think to myself, wow, if my studio's closed for three months, won't I be thanking these people at that point? Let us not be suspicious of each other. Let us grab every resource. Let us learn as much as we can. I'm going off topic, but those of you that know me know this, that that's what I do. I mean, do you know how much smarter we are going to be when we come out of this? We may all be broke, but we're going to be smart. We're going to know how to act quickly. We're going to know how to communicate better. We're going to appreciate our students and the families and the community and everything that we've created so much more. We will come out of it better better people it's hard right now and listen for those of you that are struggling really right at this point i say this to you take a deep breath know that i believe and i don't mean this to scare anybody the next few days are going to be hard hard for everybody in this country because i believe there's going to be more testing and it's going to scare people the best thing we can do is make sure we are responsible citizens and we do what's right for the kids we teach, the communities we live in. Okay. In the last couple of years, I had to break out of my uh, boundaries and start 
doing motivational talks with parents. And I have to say this. I first started, I was kind of nervous. I thought maybe what I would say would in, insult maybe, or I wasn't going to say the right words, but I want to say this. I have got to know so many parents and their perspectives that I can go back and share with teachers that causes us to think that I'm really glad I broke my boundaries. And during this time, you can break your boundaries. But here's what I want to say. If you're a dance parent out there, how lucky are you to have a child with a healthy body? How lucky are you to have a child who is focused on something that they're passionate about? How lucky are you that in this time of crisis right now, your kids have this community, they have their friends. This dance thing, the first seminar I did, I said, you guys know this is about being a mentor, leader, teacher. This is more than dance. And this woman raised her hand. She goes, but isn't it our obligation to make these kids great dancers? I go, it is. But it's about being a mentor, a leader, a teacher, uh, uh, a person that a kid looks, uh, an adult looks back to their teen years or their childhood and knows or lets you know that you made a difference in their lives. That's what it's all about right now. No studio owner knows we will be in a month. No studio owner or teacher knows if we'll be teaching a year from now. But what we do know is this passion for dance is in our blood. It will always be there. We're in this together. And maybe some of you are new to this re guy. Gonna tell you a quick story why I'm as passionate as I am. And hopefully I'll make some of you smile because some of it's funny. I grew up in dance. My mother had a studio in the basement. I was three. And I, if I think about it, I actually think I had to be younger than three when my mother opened the studio. I have a, I have a twin brother. His name is Rennie. And the two of us danced from the time we were three years old on. In the basement studio... In Randolph, Massachusetts, Martindale Road. And this is what an impact that had on me. This is the funny part. Until I was about 10 years old, I thought everybody had a dance studio in their basement. 
I used to go to my friends' houses and look for their studio because to me it was so natural. I remember hearing the music in the basement, Saturday mornings, little preschool songs, kids singing at the top of their lungs while my brother and I were watching cartoons and eating Captain Crunch. Um, people coming in our front door all the time. That was the norm. And that stayed that way for about 10 years. And honestly, during that time, I blew dance off. I just, you know, I'd go down in the basement to take a class and I'd look at my mother and I'd go, I, I'm, I had enough. I'm going upstairs. And my mother really couldn't say much because she had a class of students to, to deal with. And sometimes both Reddy and I did it together. Uh, then at age 10, for all my dance masters of America friends, I love telling this story. At age 10, Renny and I were in this dance competition. We uh, were dancing to a song called Amos Moses, choreographed by Helen Chaporian. It was a duo. Renny and I started our dance. We went to a dance competition, DMA, started our routine on the wrong side of the stage. So we were dancing to the back curtain for the first minute. I don't know, whatever it was. And we turned around, we told the audience that there was something wrong with the stage. And everybody laughed and they thought we were cute. And, the judges had to have a meeting to decide if we could go again. And they let us go again. And I remember the applause. I remember the experience. And the next day, I knew what my mother meant, who was my teacher when she said dance full out. Before that, I didn't know. And from that point forward, I knew it was the, the light switch. And honestly, growing up, I, got, I guess my dream was that I'd be some kind of professional dancer with my own variety show. And I performed professionally a lot. I don't want to go into all of that, but one night maybe we'll talk about it. But at age 15, I started teaching at this uh, complex for subsidized housing, living. And I worked with kids who didn't have a lot of money. I remember tuition was $12 a month. I remember that we had no mirrors and we liked the winter because there were these glass sliding doors on the wall. And if it got dark early enough, the kids could see themselves. So they liked making believe that they had mirrors. I was 15. I really didn't know what I was doing. But we had this first recital. 
in that first recital, they had costumes. Uh, they weren't the greatest dancers. But they worked really hard. There were probably about 25 kids. And they, we went into this, like, Knights of Columbus Hall. And everybody brought food. All the parents brought food. And we did it, like, uh, cabaret style. I brought in dancers from my mother's school. I danced. And then they, we had about eight numbers. And I can remember this went through my head and then I thought it every year and now I think it every recital. I said, look at this. I have never met that kid's father. I have never seen that husband and wife together. Oh, those are the grandparents that pay for the lessons. I realized that that dance thing was bringing, that was hard to say, was bringing these families together. It didn't matter how strong their kids were. They didn't know what strong dance was all about. That's our gift of dance. So wait, so then time goes on. I start to run dance competitions and I know it started in 1979, but I didn't run them myself. It was our dance company that ran them. And we ran them to raise money for costumes because we were going to dance in Las Vegas. And one thing led to another, and that turned into the American Dance Awards, which was and is one of the largest dance competitions and one of the longest running. And during that process, I saw so many teachers come to the music table who were burned out. They were working really hard, keeping up with their school, keeping up with this traveling on weekends. And I felt like we weren't appreciating our gift or we didn't recognize it or we couldn't see it in the fog of responsibility. And there came a point where parents would call me on the phone and tell me that they thought I was mean because I would give a kid a high silver medal or a, a gold medal. And when I started, I used to be able to give an honorable mention and people would scream and be thrilled just because I said their name on a microphone. And there came a point in this competition scene where I knew I had to get off. I knew I had to, I, I called it a speeding train. I had to get off because I had to go do what I'm doing now, what I'm doing tonight. I had to go out there and help studio owners and teachers and our dance community in general to get back to appreciating the gift. 
because this is the gift. Here we go. The gift is this. The best dance I have ever seen in my life. And this is not an insult to those beautiful technicians in this world, people who just make your heart melt. The best dancers I've ever seen or the feeling was a company called Company D in Memphis, Tennessee. And they were all Down syndrome dancers. But I sat in the audience and I just couldn't stop crying. And I was embarrassed if I, and then I started looking around, realized everybody was crying. I got back in the car, I was with my brother, Tony, and he says, you're quiet. I go, that's because I am, I don't know what I was, 48, whatever. And I think I just saw the best dance I've ever seen in my life. And then I was on this tour. I saw the guy, I went to, Huntley, Illinois is what I believe. I don't want to say it wrong. Huntley, Illinois. And there was this group called the Huntley Hoofers and Hunks. And they were the Huntley Hoofers, but they added men. And so men became the Hunks and they became the Huntley Hoofers and Hunks. And uh, they're all senior citizens. And when I walked in, there was this guy who had his tap shoes over his shoulder. He had the strings tied together and he comes in and he's in his 60s. And I'm watching him take class. And after it's over, I said, can I talk to you? And I I sat down with him. My phone is ringing and I'm trying to ignore that it's ringing. It's distracting. Uh, so hang on one second. Okay, so I'm talking to the guy from Huntley Hoofers and Hunks. I said, what made you start dancing? And for all the guys out there that are listening, hear this. He said, I'm in my 60s and I've wanted to dance since I was a little boy and my parents told me that that was a sissy thing to do. But I always, always wanted to dance and I lost my mom four years ago and I bought tap shoes. Now I wanna ask you this, do you think that guy in those tap shoes feels any different taking a class or experiencing dance than a young dancer who can do eight pirouettes. There is no difference, you guys. Maybe the senior citizen can appreciate the joy even more. So I'm gonna come back but I'm gonna leave you with this. I know this is not my idea. 
And I thought this would be the point where I cried, but it, like it started off that way. This has been an emotional time. But I've been on social media and I saw somebody, I wish I could give credit to the person. You know what? It just came to me. I think it's Lisa Cavaretta who is from this area. She was dancing in front of the windows of a senior citizen's home. This is what I say. Go dance. You're probably going to have to do it alone or meet up with somebody and stand 12 feet apart from each other. Go stand in front of a window at a senior citizen's home or a children's hospital. Or I know you'll think I'm crazy when I say this. Dance around your neighborhood and look. If you're a younger dancer, the senior citizens don't know how many pirouettes it is. They don't know how high you jumped and you're gonna be dancing in grass anyway. Dance from your heart. Make them smile. Make them feel joy. That's what dance is all about. I love our profession. I know that what we do makes a difference in the lives of the children who pass through our studios. And I know we're gonna make it back from this. And I also know that dance is this common bond that you can't describe to anybody, but those that have it in their blood, they know it. And we don't have to speak the same language we don't have to have the same backgrounds. When we see good dance, we all feel the same thing. How lucky are we? How cool is that, as I say? I know I say enjoy the journey, and if I said that now, people would look at me and they'd say, wow, how can I do that? I'm saying it anyway. I'm saying let's learn as much as we can and know we're going to make mistakes along the way. Nobody has ever done this before. Most people are in a bit of a panic stage. Notice I tone that down a little. Go ahead and make a mistake or two. Go ahead and be radical and change things that you've always wanted to change. And here's how I'll end this. Because I'm this person. Boy, I wish I had time for that. You do. You do. Have a good night, everybody. I love our dance community and all of you. Thank you for joining us for Regold's Dance Life Podcast. Learn more about joining the International Dance Entrepreneurs Association, the Dance Life Teacher Conference, and the Dance Life Retreat Center 
at regold.com or follow Regold's Dance Life on Facebook. Enjoy the journey. You've been listening to another Morgan Media production. 